The next morning, some Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. More than 40 men were involved in this plot. They went to the chief priests and the elders and said, We have taken a solemn oath not to eat anything until we have killed Paul. Now then, you and the Sanhedrin petition the commander to bring him before you on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about his case. We are ready to kill him before he gets there. But when the son of Paul's sister heard of this plot, he went into the barracks and told Paul. Then Paul called one of the centurions and said, Take this young man to the commander. He has something to tell him. So we took him to the commander. The centurion said, Paul the prisoner sent for me and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. The commander took the young man by the hand, drew him aside and asked, What is it you want to tell me? He said, Some Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul before the Sanhedrin tomorrow on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about him. Don't give in to them because more than 40 of them are waiting in ambush for him. They have taken an oath not to eat or drink until they have killed him. They are ready now, waiting for your consent to their request. The commander dismissed the young man with this warning. Don't tell anyone that you have reported this to me. Then he called two of his centurions and ordered them, Get ready a detachment of 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, and 200 spearmen to go to Caesarea at nine tonight. Provide horses for Paul so that he may be taken safely to Governor Felix. Thank you, David. Good morning. It was in a brief moment that the young 12-year-old girl, her life would radically change as she was abducted by seven men uh, in Ethiopia, and they took her into the bush and... Uh, what they would do is they would beat these young women into submission that they were soon to become someone's bride. And it's not an uncommon occurrence in Ethiopia. And as they were keeping her captive and as they were beating her, and nobody was really around to hear or to respond to deal with these seven violent men, There was unlikely heroes in this story. Three majestic Ethiopian lions jumped out of the bush. And as they were beating the young girl, they attacked the abusers and they ran off and they fled. The Ethiopian lion is is the lion of the country. They're known for their their beautiful black mane. They're strong and they're powerful. And then what happened is, the report from the young girl, is they set up the three lions, after they chased off the abductors, they set up a perimeter around the girl. Finally, a day later, somehow word had gotten out, and police came, and they found the lions still at the perimeter. And they were searching for the girl. And they finally found the girl in bad shape. And once they found the girl, the lions went back into the bush. She was delivered by the lions. Kind of an interesting story, isn't it? 
I will mention three lions. Lion of Judah. Aslan was on the move. Paul is in prison in Jerusalem. And he's about to experience God's incredible deliverance of him. He is a prisoner. He is beaten. There is incredible injustice upon his life. And Paul is about to cry out to God, and God is going to respond. His son Jesus will show up. And if you remember from last week, Jesus showed up. And the scripture said in verse 11 of chapter 23, And Jesus stood by my side. And then he encouraged me with these words. Paul, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so shall you testify about me in Rome. He is now going to be led on to his next journey, the journey on the Roman road to Rome. And what we're going to see in the story this morning is how our Lord comes in as Paul's protector. Let's pray and let's just ask the Lord to reveal himself as our protector. Father, I just thank you for your good word. I thank you for how you, you stand right with us. I thank you for how you minister to our souls when we cry out to you and that you respond to us. You hear our cry. Father, I thank you for protecting that little girl in Ethiopia. And I thank you for the way that you protected Paul. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the way that you protect us on the road to Rome, whatever that may look like. Father, may we see you in that way. May we know that you walk with us. May we know that that you are our protector, our defender, our shield. Minister that to us this morning, I pray. In your precious name, amen. One of the ways that I see in this passage that, that the Lord is protecting us is that he, and protecting Paul, is that he protects our faith. And I think he's doing that with Paul, and I think the Lord does that with us. Here's the reality. We all struggle in this faith journey, don't we? There's so many times along our path that we're going, Lord, what in the world are you doing? This makes no sense to me. I don't understand you. I don't understand how life is going to work here in the middle of this circumstance. And we wrestle with our faith. And the Lord knows we wrestle with our faith. You know that Paul was wrestling in jail and he's just going, Lord, you want me to testify? I want to be out there. Why am I in jail again? An incredible injustice. Sanhedrin's coming strong. There's many out to take my life. God, I don't get this. We struggle with that. What are you doing? How is this going to work out? And Jesus is going to build Paul's faith as he waits, as he wonders, and he's going to encourage him in this faith. We all have our road to Rome. And what that road to Rome is, is whatever path 
the Lord is leading you on for his purposes. That's our road to Rome. Where he is leading you. What does that look like for you? What's your road to Rome right now? It may be a path literally to your next door neighbor. I want you to love me and serve me and for the purposes of reaching out to your next door neighbor. That's your path. It's real short. Just go next door. What is your road to Rome? Where is the Lord taking you? Where is he leading you right now? Maybe your road is through chemo treatments. And the Lord is right there with you. Every treatment. Maybe the Lord is leading you tomorrow morning to a job that isn't satisfying. That's your road to Rome. Maybe it's into a a new ministry. They want you to serve in a new way. You're, you're going, how in the world can I do this? I don't, have the, I don't have the capability, but it feels like, Lord, you're calling me on this road. What is your road to Rome? Where is he leading you down? Paul continues to learn about the Lord in his journey. And that's the thing that's wonderful about Paul. He's always growing in his knowledge of the Lord. He's always wanting that for us. Oh, that you would know Jesus. That you would know him deeply. Paul grew as we grow, as we continue to draw close to our Lord and Savior. He keeps growing in his love for his Lord. He keeps growing in his dependence for the Lord. And as he learns more about the Lord and how he's leading him, I think what happens is, is that it starts to to strengthen his faith. I think he starts to realize the Lord is actually protecting my faith here because it's weak right now. And he's revealing himself to me in such a way that I'm being renewed and I'm being strengthened. Here's some of the things that I think he sees of his Lord and what we're going to see in this passage. One of the things that that I think he's starting to see is that my God, my Lord is sovereign. He is in control of all of this. My Lord is sovereign He is leading me down this road to Rome, which he told me he's going to take me down. He told me I'm going to testify. And now it's all being revealed how this is playing out and how his hand was upon every step along the way. Look at this passage that David just just read. It says, all of a sudden, his nephew, we never even knew he had a sister. This is the only time we ever hear this. So we get this wonderful picture. He actually had some family. We don't know what their relationship was like. We know nothing about them. We just get this one scene. Paul's nephew just happened to be overhearing these zealous Jews who are saying, we will not eat or drink. We are taking an oath. We will kill Paul. And we will not eat or drink or sleep or anything until he's dead. He just happened to be this young nephew right near that. Watch God's sovereign hand in this story. Then somehow he's able to enter into the jail. I don't know how that works. Goes with the Roman guards. And and then Paul is actually able to call a centurion by his side. 
and say, listen, my nephew has told me a story. He needs to go to the tribune and tell him the story. Please take him there. Again, this whole working, Paul's just this Jew in the middle of the Roman Empire, led by the Roman Empire in Jerusalem. Sanhedrin is against him. Everybody's accusing him. He's just one guy. Please take this young man over to the tribune so he can tell him something. So he goes over and he tells the tribune, here's the plot that I overheard. And the tribune, again, not a godly man that we know of. The tribune's all, we have to get Paul out of here. We have to get Paul out of here. I want you for one second, just stand up, all of you, stand up. Not only is he going to get Paul out of there, but he's going to take Paul and he's going to sign 470 soldiers. 470 soldiers. Do you see God's sovereign hand in things? For one Jewish man. All of you, and listen, I want you to cover him and protect him, and you are going to surround him, and you are going to take him to Caesarea. This is the atmosphere. Do you see God working? It's like, are you kidding me? Really? He's taking half of all of his Roman soldiers... And he's having them deliver Paul safely to Caesarea. God's sovereign hand. Paul is seeing this. Lord, I'm struggling. I'm here in the cell. I don't know what's going to happen with my life. You can sit down. Thank you. Good soldiers. Good soldiers. Yeah, I like that. They usher him out. My buddy Steve said... He said, right, you know, really what they should have had, all the soldiers with all of their armor, they should have had on their back angels. Really, they should have had on their back angels. God is going to use whoever he wants for his purposes. Christian, non-Christian, enemies. He is going to use whoever he wants for his purposes on his road to Rome for Paul. See, when God is leading us for his purposes... His hand of protection is upon us. And he's building our faith. He's protecting our faith. And then the next thing is, all of a sudden there's a letter written by the tribune to Felix, where he ends up in Caesarea. And the tribune is saying, listen, I don't find, I don't find Paul guilty. I'm not sure what they're doing. Really? He writes this wonderful letter, basically saying, I don't think he's guilty. And he's brought safely those 40-plus those zealous Jews didn't get a hold of them. And if you're worried about whether they starved to death because they had that oath, the Mishnah released them from that. If you were not actually capable of fulfilling that duty, you could be released. So they finally got lunch at some point. They're brought safely to Caesarea. Paul, and here's, here's the other amazing thing about this whole story. And we know all along the way So Paul is able to minister in prison. Paul is able to minister to these high officials, the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is Paul's road to Rome, 
led by the Lord and his hand and his purposes. Doesn't that build your faith? You see, when you, when you start to realize that God is sovereign, it renews our faith. It protects our faith. When we start to just pause for a moment and we go, my goodness, Lord, you are in control of all this. You're in control of my daily life. I just need to learn to surrender that to you, that you are a good God who loves me, who is leading me, that you're right there with me. Our faith is built and renewed and strengthened. Our faith is protected. God, you are so very in control. The other thing I think Paul is learning is that he is so trustworthy. Verse 11, I am with you. And I've told you that which is true. You're going to testify in Jerusalem. You're going to testify in Rome. I am a God who keeps my promises. Jesus is a promise keeper. What he says is true. I will have you testify in Rome. There's nothing that's going to get in my way of that. You need to learn to trust me. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on what? Your own understanding. How's this going to work? That's your own understanding. Don't lean on that. Don't put all your weight on that. What I want you to do in all your ways, acknowledge me, submit to me, and he will make your path straight on that road to Rome. He's going to be with you. He's going to take you. He's going to protect you. He's going to make you live out his life for his purposes through you. He has purpose for you, Paul. And he's going to lead you where he needs you to be. My friend Cynthia reminded me that, you know, there's 40 Jews and they made this significant oath. And and it was a real show that, hey, we're going to make a commitment to this. He said, yeah, but they were facing a God who's a covenant God. I thought that was beautiful. A bunch of you are going through covenant right now. Our God's a covenant God, an oath that can't be broken. Cynthia shared this with me. In covenant, one of the beautiful things is partners agree to protect each other and each other's descendants or tribe to defend one another from enemies, to avenge wrongs against the partner, to put and to put the relationship between the partners before all other relationships. In covenant with God, he is our protector. He is our avenger, our defender. And we, in covenant with him, put he and our relationship with him above all else. I think that's beautiful. God is going to lead Paul to Rome. Here's the kicker. Maybe not in the way Paul thought. And maybe not in the timing that Paul thought. We wrestle with both of those, don't we? This isn't the way I thought I was going to get here. There's a lot, a lot of trial, a lot of suffering along the way. And your timing, Lord, it's just not quite meeting up with my timing. And God keeps whispering gently, Hey, just a reminder, I'm God, you're not. Let me do my deal. I'm a good God. I love you. I'm going to lead you where I need you to be. All in my timing. And so he does. And as Paul is learning to see God as sovereign and trustworthy, 
His faith is strengthened, renewed. His faith is protected. It's an amazing story, isn't it? This story in Acts 23. It's a powerful narrative of how he gets delivered there. And that's one of the things that really stuck out to me uh, in this passage as I was studying it, is that image of, of Jesus, our Lord, our God, as our protector. And so I just wanted to dwell there with you guys um, for the next little bit. And as I was reading some different psalms, one of the psalms that really, uh, really impacted me in thinking through God as our protector, and I'm sure, I'm sure Paul probably meditated on some of these, but it's Psalm 91, and I wanted to take you through it a little bit. He is our protector. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High, he will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, he is my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He will cover you with his feathers. And under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You see, protection is to be found in the shadow of the Almighty. And that's what I hope the Lord will minister to us this morning. Protection is to be found in the shadow of the Almighty. Because one of the things as you follow Paul's life, you have to go, you have to go, how did he continue on? He's facing so much persecution, injustice. Life is just hard. How did he get out of bed in the morning, honestly? Do you sometimes wonder that? Lord, how am I going to face the day? And I think Paul learned to face the day in the shadow of the Almighty. God, his protector. And he was encouraged by Jesus that, that Jesus was right there with him and that he would lead. He would lead Paul where he needed to be. Nothing would stop the Lord from accomplishing his purposes for Paul and through Paul. Do you realize that? Do you realize that of your own life? Nothing will stop the Lord from accomplishing his purposes for you. Psalm 91, Martin Luther said, this psalm is the most distinguished jewel among the psalms of consolation. It's a beautiful jewel, Martin Luther said. And it brings you to a a place of confident trust in the Lord, in that shadow of the Almighty. But here's the thing we need to learn about, what it looks like. God is our protector. Some of you are familiar, in 1952, an American missionary, Jim Elliott, he went to Ecuador to share the gospel. Wonderful missionary, impacted lives. But on January 8th, 1956, four years later, those that he was sharing the gospel with, they brutally murdered Jim Elliott and his four fellow missionaries in Ecuador. Elliot was only 28 years old. Wait a second, Lord. You're my protector. 
That doesn't line up. Elizabeth Elliot, his wife, wrote a book about his life and his rest in Christ, about his mission and what God had called him to. And the book is called Shadow of the Almighty. Because she knew that this is where Jim rested in his life. That when we are living in the shadow of the Almighty, and when we think about protection from our Lord, it doesn't mean that we are not going to face incredible trials, even up to death. So what does it mean? What does it mean? Here's the truth about Paul. He's called to the, Ro- the Roman road and to eventually testify in Rome. Paul is eventually murdered. What Psalm 91 does is it, it starts to celebrate. It starts to bring to our attention the benefits of our confident trust in our Lord. It brings us right to the forefront. Trust will not keep us from experiencing bad things in life. But it will keep us in the loving arms of Christ as we go through these awful things of life. A confident trust. It begins in this place. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. What is this secret place that we go to? What is this secret place where we can have this rest? And what we come to find is that it's not a place at all. It's a person. It's a person. And it's our Lord. It's our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's where we find protection. That's where we find his hand upon us. He's higher than the kings of the earth and the false gods. He's the one who is called the Almighty, the living God. He alone has omnipotent power. It's in that place. Safety and security can't be found in self-defense or ideal circumstances or material resources. It's not going to be found in defensive weapons. It's only going to be found in our Lord, like Moses says in Psalm 90, verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all of the generations. It's you and you alone. You're our dwelling place in your presence. God is a shelter for those who trust him. He says in Psalm 27, in that day of trouble, and trust me, there's going to be a lot of those, and you've experienced many, he will keep me safe where? In his dwelling. That means it's in the person of Christ and the Lord. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent, and he will set me high upon the rock. Likewise, he is a shadow for those who trust him. He is a shelter. He is a shadow. You know, human shadows, they produce a fear in us. There was an old radio show, The Shadow. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? Do some of you remember this? The Shadow knows. It's this ominous figure from this radio program. 
scary. The shadow is scary. We don't understand it. But the shadow gives divine comfort in the Lord. It means God is near. And he provides relief and comfort to us and rest. Warren Wearsby said this, The safest place in the world is in a shadow if it's the shadow of the Almighty God. But one of the things for us is that we must dwell there. We must be close to God, close to our Lord and Savior Jesus. We must dwell there. Abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I like one statement that said, God is, not, God is a homemaker. He's not a hotel manager. He's a homemaker. He wants you to abide with him. He doesn't want you to just come on Sundays, check in for the day, and then check out. To receive protection in his shadow, to find rest, we dwell with him. Like James reminds us, draw near to God, and what? He will draw near to you. That is the place of rest. As he speaks in this psalm again, and as we think through Paul's journey in Acts 23, where he's learning to to trust in the sovereign God, as he's learning to rest in wherever he's taking him, that he's realizing that he is my protector through all of this. He has me on the road to Rome, and he's protecting me through it. He's starting to realize, and in this psalm what it points out, is that Jesus is very personal. God is very personal. Verse 2 of of Psalm, let's leave that psalm up if you don't mind. Verse 2 of of the psalm says that I will say of the Lord, He is my fortress, He is my refuge, my God in whom I trust. You see, it's one thing to talk about the Lord, right? Oh, God is, is great. It's a whole nother thing to talk to the Lord. That becomes very personal. Look what the psalm says. He is my refuge. He is my fortress. When I was teaching the Psalm 23 class, I started the class off and it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I go, class is done. Class dismissed. That's all you need to know. The Lord is my shepherd. Very personal. And Paul continues to grow in his personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful thing. And when you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you start to realize, my goodness, he is close to me. His hand is upon me. He's leading me. I don't have to fear. He has my life. This beautiful trust in him. Is this your testimony? Have you run to the cross of Christ and put your trust in in his blood and in his righteousness that he died for you? That he's become a personal savior for you? That's what he longs to be. He doesn't want you to just talk about him. He wants to be personal with you. You are my savior. You're not just the savior. You're my savior. Salvation as you call upon the name of the Lord. God is our protector through all of this. Lord Craven was a a Christian nobleman in London during the plague. 
And as the plague was, was really increasing throughout London, uh, he was going to leave the city and go into the countryside. And as he was doing that, he overheard some of his servants innocently saying, well, it looks like Lord Craven is going to leave the city to go to the country where his God is. His God's in the country. And so he's going to go there. And he overheard this. And God really convicted him right there. And he cried out, my God is not in the country. He's everywhere. He's right here. He's in the city. And so he committed, I'm going to stay in the city. And I'm going to help those who are suffering with the plague. And I'm going to minister to them. And I'm going to care for them as they're going through. Many, many died. Many were saved through some, some help by him. But you know what? During that, all those years that he did that, he never got the plague. God's hand was upon him. My God's in the city. My God has told me I'm going on this road to Rome. And nothing's going to stop my God from delivering me where I need to be. And sometimes that's physically. He physically protects us. That's who our Lord is. Verse 4 of Psalm 91, He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. It's that wonderful image of a, of a mother hen protecting her fledglings when there's severe weather or predators. Jesus cries out in Matthew, Oh, that you would come and gather under my wings. I wanted to gather you here. And the Jewish people rejected that of Jesus. Trust in the Lord. His faithfulness, this is again the place, His faithfulness will be your shield. You see, that's, that's what Paul started to realize on this, on this road to Caesarea where the army surrounding him. He started to realize, oh my goodness, God is so faithful even when I'm not. Even when I've messed up. Even when I don't know how to hold on, God is faithful. That's what he's learning about his Lord. Verse 5 and 6 of Psalm 91. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day. You see, it's not, it's not like this personal courage that all of a sudden you mustered up. It's a confident trust in our protector, our Lord. It's a confident trust there. It was said, courage is only fear that has said its prayers. I love that. Because we drew into the Lord and we say, Lord, I don't know how in the world I'm going to step into this. You want me to cross this Red Sea? You want me to go into Jericho? I, I can't do that. So I'm crying out to you. Confidence, courage is fear that said its prayers. And the Lord is going to walk with you through those times of fear. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Because why? Because you are with me. You see, he walks with us. And he leads us where he needs us to go. On our Roman road, whatever that looks like. He takes care of us and he guides us. The Lord watches over us night and day. It's like a parent with a newborn, isn't it? You never sleep. 
You're always checking the breathing. You're always watching over that newborn. That's the image in Psalm 91. Night and day, those night times when you're just scared to death or that there's going to be attack at night. No, 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 I'm watching over you 24-7. I walk with you in this life. You're not alone. Never will I leave you nor forsake you. There's so many ways and times that the Lord has his protective hand upon us. But here's the deal for us. So many times on the road to Rome, what do we do? We just complain the whole time. Lord, this is hard. Lord, why do you have me here? What is this all about? I hate this. Are you sure you know what you're doing? And we complain and we complain and we complain like the Israelites in the desert. I probably should go back to Egypt, better there. And I think the Lord is calling us to turn our complaint into a chorus of praise and thanks. To open our eyes to where he is walking with us and leading us and protecting us. There's so many ways, my friends were passing along to me, all kinds of ways where he protects us. And again, it's not just physically. These interruptions that come into your life, all of a sudden, you're about to hit the enter key on your keyboard, on your computer, and just happens you get a phone call from one of your close buddies. Hey, what are you doing? God's protection from a, a world of sin that you are about to enter into. Sometimes it is a healing touch upon your body. Thank God for that. Protection through relationships. He's brought people into your life that actually hold you accountable. Protection about your future relationships. Thank God for that. God protects us with a hurting heart as you have to enter into difficult conversation with someone you love and your heart just aches and the Holy Spirit just comes and and covers you. Thank you, Lord, for protecting my heart. The Holy Spirit sometimes will protect you just by speaking to your soul. If you enter into this relationship with this person, it'll be spiritually destructive to you. And you'll have this conviction like, maybe this isn't the best relationship for me. God protects us. Again, sometimes physically, some of you have been in car wrecks, and you're like, how in the world did I walk away from that? God protects us. You should ask uh, Nick Armstrong someday to show you pictures of his car wreck. There's no way he should be alive today. Angels everywhere. And oftentimes we're protected from the attack of the enemy, our spiritual enemy. So let us be a people who recognize God is taking us on this road to Rome, that our God is sovereign, that we can trust him, and that we can rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your beautiful word. I thank you for how you protect us in so many different ways, from little things to big things. Sometimes you protect us physically, you protect us emotionally, spiritually, and we just give you praise for that. Help us and forgive us when we complain. Help us to open our eyes to see all that you're doing. Lord, we want to we be obedient to the, the road that you have for us to go to Rome. And so may we follow you, strengthened by your Holy Spirit.
We love you, Lord Jesus. And in your wings and in your shadow, we shall rest. Amen.